0: Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, clarify your message, and make an impact on the world. One of my favorite quotes about the entertainment industry is, no one ever failed in Hollywood, they just quit too soon. Which brings me to this episode, which is brought to you by the word resilience, which is most often defined as the ability to recover, adjust, or bounce back easily from change or difficult life events. But my guest, Alan Ibbotson, has a much more original and specific definition of resilience, which really gets not just at the what, but at the how. Alan is a changeologist and founder of the Trampoline Group. He is an executive coach to C-suite executives and creatives, a popular keynote speaker on change, leadership, emotional intelligence, and yes, resilience, as well as the host of Wisdom You Didn't Ask For. Alan is on a personal mission to make work a great place to spend half your life. He's also one of the warmest and wittiest people I know, who loves 80s Britpop as much as I do. So huge welcome to you, Alan Ibbotson.
1: <laughs> hey, Barbara, how are you doing? It's good to be here.
0: <laughs> it's so good to be here with you. What is on your 80s Britpop playlist this week?
1: Oh, well, I'm really jamming to pulp right now. I'm kind of in a bit of a pulp mood. And so I'm kind of like on Jarvis Cocker and Common People and all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm jamming to Jarvis right now.
0: Fantastic. So diving right in. I think we can agree, Alan, that 2020 was in some ways a global resilience challenge, like the most intense mm-hmm. reality show of all time. And you have a quote that I adore, which is, you are built for resilience. Yep. And that really resonated with me. So can you explain this? How are we built for resilience?
1: We're built for resilience because we have everything we need to endure. It's a case of whether or not we take care of it and whether or not we take care, because which is really because, about taking care of ourselves, because I don't think resilience is about endurance. I think resilience is about renewal. Because it's about energy, right? You got to manage your energy. All energy is exhaustible, whether it's you know fuel that takes a plane across the country, or whether it's you getting yourself through that all nighter that you need to, you know, do in order to get that presentation tomorrow. So it's really about renewal. And what do you do to recharge? Take care of yourself. You know, make sure that you can show up and give your best. You don't see Serena Williams going out for a night with the girls the night before a match, now do you? You know, she is preparing, she's meditating, she's getting a massage, she's taking care of herself, she's getting a good night's sleep. She's really thinking Mm -hmm. about what do I do to get into the best shape that I need to be in for my match tomorrow and for all of the big and important things, you know, in our lives, I think we have to be conscious and deliberate about how we're taking care of ourselves in order to show up and give our best, whether that's leading, presenting, you know, singing, dancing, whatever it
0: is. Enduring a pandemic.
1: During a pandemic. And during a
0: pandemic. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, Alan, let's get real. You are better positioned to talk about resilience than anyone I know. Would you be okay sharing your story?
1: So 2000, when was it Barbara? We've known each other a long time. 2004, I was crossing the street before midnight, uh, heading home from dinner with some friends and a garbage truck came flying around the corner and ran over me. Not my best moment, hit by a garbage truck. How trashy. Bit of a crucible moment. Obviously spent a good chunk of time in hospital. I'm happy and relieved, of course, to be here. It was a new normal soon afterwards. It was a long road to recovery and rehab and so on and so forth. But it really, really taught me about resilience because I'd been brought up to always make myself useful. And if there's one thing I couldn't be, you know, in that period of time, it was really useful to anybody. And in fact, I was a burden and that was very stressful for me. You know, I had to get used to this idea that it was not going to be easy. It was going to take a long time and I was going to have to take it moment by moment. And I just had to Mm -hmm. get the next step and the next step and break it down and just be grateful and present and thankful for the small, literal steps that I was able to make each day over time.
0: Yeah, to be clear. You're literally talking about taking steps, meaning yeah. relearning how to walk. And well, then- first it was
1: first it was be able to sit up without throwing up. Then it was be able to sit on the edge of the bed without screaming in pain. Then it was get to the chair. Then it was be able to stand. Then it was be able to take a step and then another step with a walker and then get from the walker to the cane, from the cane to walking unaided. So that was a period of time that that took.
0: So aside from learning really forcing you to learn to live in the moment and literally define what is that next step. Were you conscious of drawing on something inside of yourself?
1: It's a really good question. I asked the doctor one day when he came in, because it was pretty unclear at the time. Am I going to walk again? because the damage was really all to my, the lower half of my body, specifically, you know, my right leg particularly. And he said, well, that's up to you. He just looked at me and smiled and walked away, and that was it. And that he sort of just left me with that. And I meditated on that for a few minutes and then decided, okay, I'm going to walk out of here. So I guess, yes, it was conscious, it was deliberate, but it was a, a pretty quick decision. And then it was just effort after that.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, Dano, do we live by this, that whatever it is, it's up to you?
1: I've got a number of things going on, you know, my life personally, uh, you know, as well as professionally. You know, I'm a foster parent to kids who had troubled history. I've got a, a particular kid who really struggles emotionally and with a lot of emotional dysregulation. And so I've been through a lot of training and spent a lot of time actually entrenched in the work of that in terms of how to deal with someone who's suffering from severe emotional dysregulation because it's, it's taxing it's tiring it's exhausting it can be soul destroying and it can be very very difficult as anybody who deals with this knows but as hard as it is for me I have to remember that it's harder for her my daughter mm-hmm. and so I really think that empathy is a superpower. Because Mm -hmm. it allows me to show up for her and not just for her, but for my clients, for anyone who's struggling with empathy and curiosity and be able to validate whatever they're feeling in that moment, regardless of whether or not I agree or think they're justified in feeling it or thinking it. I think it's important to be able to validate what people are feeling so that they can feel heard and get out of whatever emotional hijack they're in to be able to find a path through their own struggle and I think resilience to me is so much about that right it's about not just yourself but how do you help others succeed because that helps you succeed especially Mm -hmm. if you're you know part of a team somebody's having a bad day somebody's really struggling one of the ways that you can become more resilient yourself is to help them it fuels you I mean the Dalai Lama even said it you know compassion Is also in our self-interest. So, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking about this and practicing it through, you know, my coaching and my parenting as well.
0: Mm -hmm. And by the way, I think it's a Booker T. Washington quote you shared with me, if you could repeat that.
1: Yes. If you want to lift yourself up, lift others up first.
0: Mm -hmm. To me is how we get into the how of resilience, not just the what which is one of the reasons I was so excited to speak to you about this topic and why your message is so valuable. And it's so powerful when I hear it from you, because I think resilience is tossed around. It's kind of buzzy. Might be right there with authenticity. I think it's easy to get stuck. And then it's easy to have a lack of empathy and compassion for oneself when you think, but I don't know how to do resilience. And here you are explaining to me. Okay, so let's start with empathy and compassion. Yeah. The next yeah. the next thing I want to ask you about is how this intersects with emotional intelligence yes. which you speak about a lot.
1: Yes. People call me a, a teacher of emotional intelligence, which I I'm quick to say I don't I don't teach emotional intelligence because I think all you can do with emotional intelligence is help people have conversations about it because it's something that we're all a work in progress. Brené Brown has a therapist. Okay. Like everybody and anybody who's doing this, who's in this space, doing this kind of work uh, has to be working on themselves at all times. Right. It's why I'm so Grateful for our prophet Brene, in particular. But <laughs>
0: just as a sidebar, Alan and I basically have our own like Brene Brown fan club that we run on the side.
1: <laughs> not, we're not sure that she actually knows about it, but yes, <laughs> I think that's that's absolutely true. But you know, to your point about empathy, compassion, and curiosity, for us to show up and do that for others, right? We actually have to do it for ourselves first. Hmm. That is the work of people like Brene Brown, for example, right? When she's talking about that, you know, the shitty first draft, as she calls it, right? Which is that story that you have to leave behind in order to be able to move forward. You know, what is the story that you need to leave behind in order to move forward? And what is that story? What are the feelings that go with it? You know, and really interrogating that story until it confesses the truth so that you understand your starting point, because you can't change something until you know what it is and you've accepted it. Mm. And so when I'm going through training myself and being reminded myself about that, you know, I have to go into this mode of radical acceptance of being able to sit with and be uncomfortable with and accept something that I cannot change. And the only thing I can change about it is how I feel about it, how I frame it, what I choose to do about it. Because The bad news about mindfulness, about meditation, about resilience is not that it is is that it doesn't necessarily change what's happening around you. It helps you deal with it more effectively. And so there's really no way to be resilient without doing the work.
0: Mm. And how you get to build that muscle. And how
1: you get to build that muscle. But you're built for it. We are all built for it. It's a case of whether or not we... Are taking care of you know those muscles and to your point it's very much connected to emotional intelligence which is one of the big conversations that I have you know with leaders so much of that is about how you see yourself do you see yourself as an agent of change do you feel that you have agency over your own life and your circumstances I mean how can you be resilient if you don't feel like you have you know some agency right your tolerance levels for stress is right? all part of, of your emotional intelligence, your optimism, your problem-solving skills. like How are you able to solve problems when emotions are involved? How are your relationships? Are you able to stand up for yourself in times of stress with somebody who's, who's bullying you? All of this is important if you're going to be able to be resilient.
0: It goes back to what you said just a few seconds ago. The only part that we can control, but it takes a lot of work, is how we frame it, how we see it, how we think about it, how we feel about it. I'm a big fan of Jason Flom and his work around criminal justice reform and following the people that he has really helped in these incredible stories of people who've been incarcerated illegally and wrongfully and how they've survived. Because those are just examples of people who have zero agency yeah, and massive injustices against them and yet survive through grace and realizing that, you know, finding something within you that you can actually control emotionally, which is Really, really powerful. Um,
1: Yes, I think what often looks like doing nothing to people is actually skillful acceptance a lot of the mm, time.
0: Is that what you were doing in the hospital without realizing it?
1: Yes, I think probably it was. I mean, not at first, maybe, but once I was able to be more conscious and deliberate about it, yeah, maybe. Or let's say I was getting some practice in developing the skill. I don't know how skillful I was, but I was certainly learning at that point. I'd sort of gone into school. But, you know, skillful acceptance often looks like doing nothing. And the point is really, I think, for us to be resilient, we have to be skillful with our emotions. We have to be skillful in how we deal with stress. Susan David, I don't know if you have followed the work of Susan David, she's got a, a brilliant book on emotional agility, and she says that uncomfortable feelings are the price of admission to a meaningful life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This ability to be able to sit with Difficulty, pain and suffering is key to being able to stay resilient over time, because unless you have accepted what you're feeling, you cannot possibly, again, change it. Right. If you're feeling resentful and you're angry about having to accept something, then you haven't accepted it.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to tap into something you just mentioned, which is over time, because there is an aspect of this, which is also, you know, playing the long game mm-hmm. of life, right? Yeah. And delayed gratification putting in the investment in yourself. It also goes back to the quote I had at the beginning about no one ever failed in Hollywood, they just quit too soon. Because I know that you work a lot with creatives, as do I, who are, you know, a big part of my audience here for this podcast. So I kind of wanted to address that part of it because it's a stressful life. Yeah. And yet also amazing and joyful and the thing that feeds our souls. But there's I don't want to say there's a price, but if you just had tapped into is finding is being able to sit with the discomfort in order to have that meaningful life. So I just actually want to tap in or Ellen's 10 tips. I'm kidding, but not kind of for um, creatives around resilience and emotional intelligence and empathy and compassion and you know, so you can keep on keeping on.
1: Yeah, I think some of the most resilient people I know, and I, I know that you know Tuba, although there's a lot of different people, you know, we, some <laughs> of them will be the same. Some of the most resilient people that I know are creative, they're artists, they're designers, they're musicians, they're, because they're used to rejection. They have learned how to deal with that discomfort. They've learned how to fall off the horse 10 times get back on it 11 they have learned how to go to the edges of despair and bring the lessons back and write them down and use them and i think we could all learn from creatives and artists and people in in the arts frankly especially over the last year um because there is no in, an industry that's been decimated more than Broadway over the course of the last year. There's, there were no more lives and livelihoods that have been more affected than those in the worlds of the all of the arts. I'm enormous gratitude and respect to anyone working in the arts right now. Just the the sheer determination and resilience and the tenacity and the grit and the joy and the determination to get through it. And what. I will also say here about artists is the community, the community of artistry, the community of Broadway, for instance. Right. It's like nothing you've ever seen, like just how they come together and support each other. It's such an important part of being able to stay resilient is finding your people, having your people, reaching out. We cannot do this alone. And I think the people who have suffered the most over the last year are the ones that have been alone, mm-hmm. been, who've been alone. I'd talk to other artists to learn from them about resilience, quite frankly, and what have they taken from this last year? And how can we, all of us use that, you know, moving forward? Because it's been tough, mm-hmm. you know, and I actually took on when i realized that i needed to sort of start making video content and creating content you know a year ago and sort of just putting some stuff out there that would be helpful that was my intention i wasn't trying to become famous i started making this series called wisdom you didn't ask for really because nobody asks for wisdom they just get given it uh you you know the most inopportune moments and it's usually called uncomfortable truths isn't it like i thought well you know we may as well just call it wisdom you didn't ask for and and started making these videos but I realized I had no idea how to edit this stuff and kind of put it out there and whatever and I'd met a young guy who'd been uh, working in the theater world of theater and Broadway and of course had been furloughed and, and was you know looking for an opportunity to stay in the city and I had a need and he had an interest and so we made it work and uh, he's with me now and it's been fantastic and watching him has been an absolute inspiration to me because I've seen all his creativity get rechanneled and repurposed and all that curiosity and the taste level and all the things that were such a part of his creative aesthetic. He applied them to new skills that he just taught himself by going on glasses online and, and created a new career for himself. And that is extraordinarily inspiring to me to see someone do that in a really difficult time like we've had over the last year.
0: So adding to our list uh, around resilience, so we had empathy, compassion, curiosity, emotional intelligence. And then now when we add Jay's example, there's also the saying yes. So the big difference between can't and won't, he was like, I I say yes. I say yes to learning how to do this.
1: Yeah, he was Shonda all the way, baby. I mean, he was, yes, 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 yes. And it was just, I just kept throwing things. Can you do this? Yes, I'll figure it out. Yes, I'll figure it out. It's not a lie. It's a future truth. I can do that. You know, (laughs) Just, just figuring it out. That's half of it, right? Having the determination. And the thing is, you don't always have to be courageous when you're doing that. Sometimes that helps, right? But you don't always have to be courageous. I think you just have to kind of, go well what's the worst thing that could happen is it okay if i fail yes it's okay if i fail i'm not gonna lose my job we're all learning and i think that was such an important part of our kind of jam starting to work together was well you know what? if it doesn't work it doesn't work we'll just do something else it's fine
0: wait this goes back to another alanism that i love embrace your oops
1: embrace your oops. yeah well that's actually sarah blakely
0: i have a sarah blakely quote above my desk but it's yeah a different
1: one we love some Sarah a trampoline group we do yeah so embrace your oops she's got you know great stories about how her father would have her and her brother tell stories about th- mistakes that they made and things that they'd failed at so Sarah just... Blakely is the world's first female self-made billionaire I think and she is the CEO importantly of Spanx she is intimately a... familiar. <laughs> um apparently they're doing stuff for men so i may need to check that one out barbara mm-hmm. if this pandemic continues much longer just saying i love uh,
0: many men i know on the it's very popular on the red carpet for both men and women and no matter how you identify there's a spanks for you
1: there's a spanks for you i'm sure there's a spanks for me too we love her some sarah and uh she tells you know great stories about how her father would encourage that in her and her brother so that they got used to celebrating failure as an opportunity to have learned something. And they always had to extract the lesson from it. And I think if we can all do that, right, if we can all sort of go to the edges and make the mistake and then bring the lesson back and write it down and not just use it for ourselves, but for each other, share it. Like that's the wisdom you didn't ask for stuff, right? With the edges that I've been to, I bring the lessons back and I just put them out there. You never know when you're going to have an impact on somebody else.
0: And you never know what wisdom you didn't ask for because you didn't know you needed it or you didn't know how yeah. to ask the question. Because to your point, Sarah, who we love, she includes these things in her packaging. Yes. So the quote I have is actually from some spanks. To me, failure is not trying rather than not succeeding. And Absolutely. That, that was a beautiful The graphic's actually quite nice, beautifully included in my Spanx packaging. So we're adding that to the list. Embrace your oops, because that's very Edison. It's like it took me a thousand mistakes to figure out how to create a light bulb.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally.
0: And so that's a keep trying, right? Keep
1: trying. Yeah. Pick yourself up. Being okay with having a crappy day. And saying i'm having a crappy day emotion is always valid whether it feels pleasant or unpleasant and susan david who wrote the book emotional agility is very quick to point out and and others like her too in saying that you know all emotion is valid there's no good and bad emotion when we when we start to label our emotions say it's positive or negative we're judging ourselves when we do that and if we can get out of that habit that's one of the ways to actually you know grow And change how we feel is to recognize that it's not positive or negative. It just is, right? Mm -hmm. This idea of being the waterfall analogy, Barbara, right? There's Dan Harris talks about getting under the waterfall. I think he got it from somebody else like Joseph Goldstein. But this idea that if you imagine a waterfall and you go and you stand, that's your emotions, right? If you go and stand under that waterfall, it's overwhelming, it's overpowering, there's too much water, you feel like you're drowning. It's right. It's just really, really hard to be under that waterfall and uh, you're gasping for air. You're trying to cope under that waterfall. You can't stay there for very long. What most of us do, and what many of us do is we step in front of that waterfall. Right, And we put it behind us and we try and ignore it. And it's like, la, 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 you know, fingers in the ears. We're like, we can't hear it. We can't see. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Keep going. Move forward, move forward, move forward. And we're trying to sort of just drown out the noise and drown out the emotion and kind of just focus on something in the future and be incredibly tenacious and, and gritty and, you know, all I wouldn't that, know
0: anyone like that, oh Alan. That doesn't sound God familiar God. to me at all. <laughs> I I don't know where you're getting this, but continue.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it, sooner the thing about that is that sooner or later you're going to hit a wall, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sooner or later you're going to hit a wall, and then you're not going to know what what to do, and you're going to you know crash and burn. We see this happen to people all the time, and mm-hmm. and so the the brave soul is the one who instead of stepping in front of the waterfall actually steps back behind it. And as you step back, you can see it, you can see the waterfall, you can see your emotions, you can, there's my sadness, there's my anger, there's my frustration, there's my irritation, there's my joy, there's my mixed feelings. I don't know what to make of all this. But actually being able to pull them all out and, and observe them mindfully in a still place, this is why mindfulness and meditation can be so helpful to people as they uh, you know, try to cope with difficult things. That ability to to recognize your emotions comes from being able to label it. You can't change what you can't label. So being able to step back behind the waterfall is a really key skill for all of us, I think.
0: Mm. I couldn't agree with you more. And I, again, as I think about anyone in a creative field, well, will work in general, but for many of us in creatives, because we're all sole proprietors in a way is to be able to identify what that is that you're really feeling in that moment, whether it's, you know, fear around the rejection, the lack of belief in that you're going to make it or to get there, or just the, the keep on keeping on of it all when there's so much stacked against you, right? Statistically. And yet- it's up to you. And it's how do we say you. yes? And how do we keep going? I mean,
1: so you know, I'm British, like the whole stiff upper lip, keep calm and carry on. I mean, we invented that shit, right? Don't show any emotion. Keep going. Doctrinated into us from a really young age. But one of the things that I learned as a kid was that I had a, not the easiest childhood. But one of the things I learned was that I was able to make people laugh. Now, I didn't want to become a comedian or be funny for the sake of it. But what I realized was that I could diffuse tension in a situation, I could keep myself safe, and I could change people's minds if I was funny.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And I learned this just by doing it over and over, and just showing up. And that was my way of communicating with people: was to make fun of myself, situations, but never to be cruel or mean to others. But to make people smile, make people laugh, and help people who are having a hard time. And I think that's another thing about why we—that's another reason why we need others, right? We're not going to sit there and laugh by ourselves. But if you remember some of the memes that were the that were coming out at the beginning of the pandemic, were just gold. I mean, they were gold. I mean, I think I laughed. For the couple of first couple of months, you know, pandemic, like hours on end because of these means, because the comedy gold was just, you know, outstanding. It's not as great now because we're all just kind of oh, enough already. I uh, remember
0: talking about this with you though, that it was comedy yeah. and music that got me through those first couple of months. Totally.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that people are generally uncomfortable with the feelings of others because they're uncomfortable with the, their own feeling. You can't be comfortable with somebody crying in front of you if you're not comfortable crying in front of somebody else.
0: Oh, Helen, wow, you're right, 100%.
1: It starts with you, right? It starts inside. That's, if you're gonna be a good friend, you've gotta be a good friend to yourself. This idea that empathy and curiosity and validation are superpowers, I strongly believe that. And I, I live and breathe it every day with my daughter. Because when I show up in empathy and curiosity and validation, regardless of whether or not I'm angry about what she did, I can change the situation. I can literally change the situation. But what, the hard thing was that I had to learn how to do that for myself first. To have empathy for myself, curiosity about my own emotions, why am I feeling this, what is it about, and then actually lean into it and validate that emotion and say, that's okay, it's okay for you to feel that but it it might not be helpful to you right now, sit with it,
0: it will pass. Well, okay, Alan, my big takeaway, you've just blown my mind, right, is for many of us going back to the waterfall analogy is there could be a sense that resilience is about toughness and grit, which it is kind of, but what you just blew wide open is that real resilience is about emotional vulnerability.
1: Completely. Vulnerability is strength which Prophet Brené will preach to us from on high <laughs> every day if we're paying attention, right? But she's right, you know, and it's not just her, of course. There's many others who have been delivering this message to us in different ways, and I think this is why we need so many storytellers, right? You know, people like you know Vinny, I know uh, you've had on your podcast, and, and Dave Montgomery, Like the, I think both of them talked about the power of story and bringing your story and bringing yourself to it and owning that story and creating a narrative that empowers you. It's your story. You get to tell that story. You get to decide if there's a happy ending. You get to be the one. So why not create a story that empowers and fuels and enables you? Why wouldn't you do that? Why not leave the story behind that disempowers you? Leave the story behind that slows you down or the story that makes you feel bad it's a story. Let it go. Find the story that empowers you.
0: J'adore you, Alan Ibbotson. Mm, as the day is long. As we wind down, what are some of your favorite resources?
1: The church bookshelf of Brene Brown is of course like i think probably my favorite two favorites are rising strong because it's so much about resilience right the whole reckoning and rumbling and uh, all of that i can't remember what was the three r's in that one i think right so the Brene brown's rising strong is a big one 10% happier by dan harris who is a abc newscast um he's doing a lot of work on resilience got a great book called called 10% happier he's got another one called ooh meditation for fidgety skeptics i know a few of those guy raz's podcast is amazing as well for he just in interviews brilliant people on, you know, their stories of entrepreneurialism and how they got through difficult times. I think it's called How I Built This. That's a great one. Uh, Dan Harris has a, a podcast as well, and also a great app, 10% App to Go with that. Um, those are some of my favorites. Also, of course, Susan David, who wrote the book Emotional Agility, which is fantastic she puts out great content too so i highly recommend uh checking her out oh and where are all the places go ahead there's oh, there's another book that i love from 2016 i think something like that a guy called sean Orr wrote a book called rest ethic which of course blew my mind right because we've all got a work ethic you and i barbara have a strong work ethic okay so this taught me that is there is also a rest ethic which ties back of course very Neatly to this idea that resilience is not about endurance, it's about renewal. Renewal comes from rest, right? So to me, a work ethic plus a rest ethic equals a performance ethic because you have to have a strong work ethic to succeed. You've got to be driven. You've got to be hardworking right? But you also need to take care of yourself. You have to put your own oxygen mask on first. You have to take care of your emotions. You have to know your own story. You have to frame things in ways that fuel and empower you and the people around you, especially if you're in a leadership position as well. And put those two things together, then you can really perform. You can mm-hmm. perform at your best, whether you're an artist, whether you're a leader, whatever you do for a living, or just showing up and being a good human for the people around you. These are, to me, life skills, not just work. And, Alan, people
0: and, need you every day. Where can we find you every day?
1: Oh, where can you find me every day? Well, you can find me on LinkedIn, of course. Find me there, Alan Ibbotson, 1L. It's Ibotson, not Ibbotson. I feel like I should write a song about that, just like Liza. But... <laughs> Trampolinegroupgood.com and uh, on youtube we have um, trampoline group and all the YDAFs can also be found on there as well we're on instagram and, can, and facebook
0: and can people subscribe to the YDAFs? do you have a downloadable they YDAF book i think can.
1: there's a little YDAF book with some very embarrassing pictures of me dating back to my teenage years but yes They can subscribe to YDAF on YouTube. If they look up the trampoline group, they'll find the playlist. They can also subscribe to our trampoline page on LinkedIn. Our YDAF fan page is coming soon on Facebook. And we also have an Instagram for the wisdom you didn't ask for
0: as well. Thank you so much. And for everyone listening, resources from the podcast are available on my website under resources at ableintermedia.com. And as a little bonus for you, I have a free ebook to download called 12 Tips for Success on Camera. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to hit the subscribe button and we'll catch you next time.